Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. And after a time, perhaps nobody cared. All right, boys, here it comes. We're in the pictures. <laughs> There's a fellow in the war called Rumor. He knows everything, you see. And Mr. Rumor told us that the Germans are also negotiating for an armistice. There was a huge poster. All hostilities will cease on the Western Front at 11 o'clock on the 11th of November, 1918. So we said to each other, what day is it? And somebody discovered it was November the 11th. And then we had to shine our boots and clean our buttons. We knew the war was over then. And we were quite confident that we would be there when it ended. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. <laughs> Whoa. I'm a Philip Hunting. And I'm a Wayne Stellini. And welcome to our Fred Watch Anzac Day special. You join us today from separate studios as Australia is in lockdown for the COVID-19 virus. Most certainly, Phil. For those who are unaware, Anzac Day is a special commemorative day in Australian history where we commemorate and honour those who fought in various wars throughout our history. So with that in mind, what are we reviewing today? Today we're reviewing Peter Jackson's 2018 documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old. Tell us about it, Janet. (laughs) Filmed on location on the Western Front, 1914 to 1918, They Shall Not Grow Old is a documentary by Peter Jackson which has been created using original footage from the First World War, as well as audio from interviews of Allied servicemen who fought in the conflict. The film takes a huge step to bring the old footage to life by colourising and transforming it with modern production techniques, with the addition of sound effects and voice acting to be more evocative and feel closer to the soldiers' actual experiences. Wayne, what did you think of They Shall Not Grow Old? Well, I really love the premise of this documentary, especially the rich nature of archival footage here. Mm. Uh, One of the strong points of of this film is the use of primary sources. It's compiled completely of primary sources, really. You've got the audio interviews of multiple servicemen. You have uh, original footage um, in its black and white form and then about... You know, a third of the way, it, it bounces into this, I want I almost want to say vibrant colour, but it's probably not really the right word because a battlefield is anything but vibrant. Yeah. It's, you know, browns and greens and greys, and unfortunately you get splashes of red Yeah, every but now it, and then. It is vibrant compared to the black and white. <laughs> yeah, so I guess compared to, to what we've seen, and it does make it feel that little bit more accessible and real. I like the visuals in this film, again, because of the heavy use of primary sources, because we begin with um, recruitment posters, and within those recruitment posters, we we see some moving images, and then we've got the audio of of men talking about uh, getting recruited and how they lied about their age. Mm -hmm. In some areas, you had to be 19, in others, it was 18, and them just sort of signing up, and you get that that true sense of 
of camaraderie, of patriotism as well. Mm. So I was a little concerned at first that this movie was still going to have this glamorization of war. Mm. But I think one of its strong points is that it takes us through the mood and the sentiment at the time where at first it was this very, you know, gang ho, let's let's go type thing to war and, you know, it'll be over in a few months and here we go, to then the harsh realities where the boys just wanted to go home. Yeah. Um in saying all of that, uh, despite its use of extraordinary uh, primary sources, uh, which are all fascinating, I did find myself uh, conflicted about this particular film uh, because I'm looking at it not from a historian's point of view and not from a general interest point of view, but from a film critic's point of view. I found myself just not really as engaged as I thought I would be. I felt that, yeah, the, the the promise and the premise of it is really strong, but there's just something about the overall feel that left me a little bit distant. And I, I tend to think it's because um, I couldn't see the men who were speaking, so I couldn't differentiate them from one another. And I would have liked... Um, and I appreciate that maybe, you know, I want to say that maybe the, these were recorded when video was not widely available just to the everyday person and they were audio only, no video recordings of these men. But if they were video recorded interviews, I would have loved to have um, just little snippets of them because I think when somebody is telling their story, so much can be drawn from the look in their eyes, from their facial expressions. Also, even if they were just audio only, I would have loved a still image of the person, whether they were in uniform or out of uniform, Mm. just so I can get to know these people. The film does a fantastic job of linking footage with, I I guess, a retelling of what is happening. For example, if they ever talk about what it felt like to be treated by a doctor after being shot in the arm, they literally showed somebody being treated by a doctor, Mm. you know, who'd been shot in the arm. So Mm. it's so much attention to detail and so much care has been put into making this film this is why i'm conflicted because i can see the care and i can value the primary sources so much Uh, as somebody who teaches history and who has studied history such as yourself philip this is gold this Mm. is absolute Mm. gold in terms of archive in terms of research and understanding but overall as a film it did not sustain me yeah it's interesting. So you mentioned about identifying the soldiers, essentially. Um, mm. uh, it actually uh, is interesting you say that because this film had interviews from over 200 veterans mm. and audio from 120 of them were actually used. Mm. And Peter Jackson actually said, we made a decision not to identify the soldiers as the film happened. There were so many of them that the names would be popping up on the screen every time a voice appeared. In a way, it became an anonymous and agnostic film. We also edited out any references to dates, places, because I didn't want to make the movie about this day here or that day there. And in a way, whilst I see where you're coming from saying that, yeah, Mm. that sort of dehumanises it for a humanising film... Mm. I also understand this isn't like one person's or two people's... Because, again, you're right. We are so used to 
documentaries where it's maybe three people are talking, they're giving their three different viewpoints on a thing, and you'll sort of see them come up here and there. Mm. But this had so many people, and it was, it was, it's so disjointed. There's a sentence from someone here, a sentence from someone Mm. there. I do understand that decision. Maybe this could have been... I, I don't know. Maybe this needed to be a series where they take that archival uh, footage and they take those individual soldiers and actually maybe make every episode about those soldiers. Or Again, it depends what they had to work with. If they only had little snippets of voice pops, then there's not much you can do. But if they're really taking, like, everyone, these 120 people had an hour's worth of interview, why not make it a half-hour sh- uh, uh, mini-series, you know what I mean? Or Yeah, absolutely, because you're right, they only have what they've got to work with. So, yeah. as you've said, if, for example, they've only got a small snippet from one person, but that information is absolutely vital in telling the overall story, well, it makes sense to put it in. So 120 contributors, that's extraordinary. And it could get... Yeah, exactly. And you'd be like... And you would lose them. Like, if you had the image, if you had the name pop up, absolutely right, you would lose them. And I appreciate that from a filmmaking and a narrative standpoint. And look, to Mm. be honest, I'd probably end up making that same judgment call if that's what I had to work with. But I guess what happens is, is then it almost feels like the war story is homogenized that there's sort of one narrative but again i was just felt a little bit disconnected from it so maybe the runtime of the film has something to do with it that very possibly yeah you know it's like so keen to get all of these point of views across to really show all of these different angles and perspectives and experiences of the war which i appreciate but if we're not identifying them and they're all sort of saying similar things, like you've got five people each saying, oh, I lied about my age to get in, or yes, they said, come back and lie about your age, or they said, oh, sorry, did you say you were 19? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's telling the same thing, essentially. Mm. So I feel like it then loses the point. Yes, and I also agree with you, that it homogenizes the, the, the story of the war because I found it interesting that there was essentially only one voice. It was this British mm. soldier. There were no Germans. There were maybe a handful of other, as in, I think there was one American, maybe two New Zealanders and an Aussie. Mm. There were no female. Uh, no, no nurses, no anything like that. So, again, it depends on what they had to work with. And it is hard because this was made in 2018. The last soldier, the last person who, who was in the First World War had died many, many years before. So, it is difficult to do that with whatever you've got. But I also know there are lots of other voices out there, lots of other interviews Anzac Girls was made through the fact that there were diaries and uh, Mm. voice interviews with nurses. So, I mean, those voices are out there. It's interesting that this decided to 
focus solely on the British experience. Yes, and I suppose one could argue, well, I mean, the, the, the war is such a grand narrative, and it's not just one narrative, it's multiples. Two soldiers on the same side, standing right next to each other, are going to tell you two totally different stories or tell them in different ways. Yeah. So, look, I, I, I suppose I appreciate them narrowing in what angle to take. One thing I did really appreciate was the representation of the German soldiers. Yeah. I thought that was absolutely fantastic that they weren't just brushed as these moustache-twirling villains and that the footage yeah. <laughs> showed them being friendly to one another because it wasn't personal and they found out that they had things in common and they were there sort of laughing and, and making fun of each other and swapping hats and things like that and yeah. having just conversations. That alone, those few minutes that's devoted to the interaction between the British and German soldiers is so powerful. It is extraordinary because it really reiterates why do we go to war? Yeah. It's not because, like, you know, these soldiers are killing each other, but it's not about them. It's about something bigger that we have in that moment of time extraordinarily limited control or say over. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that really touching, I suppose. Yeah. One of the issues I had with this, and it sort of really shadows or is similar to what you're saying with your issues with it is that for me it plays with far too many broad strokes Mm. so the war is condensed into this hour and a half piece it's only from the british side few battles there are no dates talked about there's no battles it's so to me it's actually almost just like a world war one 101 Mm, it's mm. that it's that real basic hey this is how you explain uh, the start to the end of the first world war as a general sort of thing here are some themes you know oh we didn't like it the rats were horrible this it's that sort of thing yet it talks about trying to humanize the footage and make everyone you know look at the people to me brushing over everything makes it so that you can't, like you were saying, you can't really empathise with the people as well. I really wanted more of the stories as opposed to the general. Yeah, and I think for me, as I, I agree with you there, it's chosen not to focus on the battles. And I tend yeah. to prefer war narratives that don't focus on the battles. Obviously, they have to be there. It's yeah, the yeah, war. Yeah. But you know how sometimes you get documentaries or movies that really just want to show you the grand battle and we'll spend an hour showing people fighting and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that's a significant part of the war, but I'm interested in the human experience. That's what I can relate to. So they're really pushing that angle. But again, if you're homogenizing the voices, you, you lose it. And I think that's why I'm conflicted because I can't take away the wonderful things that this movie does because we hear from these men we see them we learn things and we see things that we've never learned or or seen before like you know and this is not being crude or anything but one of the things i found extraordinarily interesting was how they went to the bathroom yeah yeah i found i've never heard of that i you know i've heard of obviously that they've gone to the bathroom sort of wherever you can or there was a you know a, a, a designated space but gosh i thought it at least had roof and walls yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like just that, like things like that was like that's really 
that's almost like something that you go, well, because it's something we all do. We all go to the toilet. So automatically, you can now put yourself in that position where you just go, well, at first it'd be extraordinarily humiliating or embarrassing, but then you realize that, you know, the blokes would then just sort of laugh it off, especially there's that that, that telling of when they're all sitting on the plank and it it broke, and there they go, they fall into into the waist. But, well, too bad, you only have one uniform. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> there's no hot yeah. shower uh you know you just kind of like it's, it's little details like that where you just go wow this really reiterates the unpleasantries of war which is weird because you go well actually maybe having your mate's brains blown out next to you is really unpleasant but there are different things that we can relate to yeah um so i found things like that really interesting because that at least you know uh, uh stories like that you can connect to in some way. Yeah. Uh, but again, the, the homogenization of the overall narrative, and I guess it's repetitiveness, um, kept me distant, yeah. Yeah. I want to touch on quickly just some of the technical sides of this film because I feel that that is the side of this film that makes it really stand out. Mm. If this had been all in black and white and all just a sort of normal documentary, it would have been bland, I feel. Yeah. The technical aspects of this film, I think, is what really makes it shine. So, one of the first things, as we've already mentioned, is that it colorizes the old black and white footage. I know for myself, when I first saw that, I was like... It was so hard for me as a reenactor to mm. not think this is just reenacting footage. Wow. Because you don't see the First World War in colour. You see it in black and white. You see black and white images, black and white footage. Mm. And to see a colourised image of that era, you, my brain at least just sort of goes, oh, that doesn't compute. <laughs> so one of the big things Peter Jackson wanted was to make sure he used zero reenacting footage. Um, that's why when it comes to the bayonet scenes, the mm. those sort of charges, you actually don't... He uses propaganda posters and stuff like that and yep. drawn images from the time because mm. there is actually no footage, or very little, I assume, but no footage of actual bayonet charges because you couldn't get a camera out there. A no. lot of footage of men going over the top is actually staged later on. So a few, you know, they'd get a camera person out to one of the reserve lines and then just have a few men go over the top while they blow up a couple of dud shells Mm -hmm. sort of thing to make it look like it was a thing. But of course, they've got no footage of the bayonet charges and stuff like that. So I love that he's not just colorized it, but then because he's then zoomed in on all the footage he's able to have the camera pan and look like it's panning around a battlefield when really, if you put it back to that smaller frame, it's just the small frame of footage. Yeah. Singular, singular standstill frame. Yeah, they absolutely do a lot with the resources they have. And they put in a lot of effort in presenting it in an engaging and interactive way. Uh, You can't fault this film on a technical level at all, I feel. Yeah. And on top of that, the sound effects that are added. Yes. So 
painstakingly, as they say, mm. uh, this film actually went through all the footage and brought in voice actors and lip readers to mm. read what people were saying at any time so that they could figure out what the actual soldier said and then recorded modern actors doing those voices. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, there's this one moment where the camera is, you know, sweeping across these these group of men and, you know, you have one person, I think, like, turn around and go, oh, we're on the pictures. <laughs> like, yeah, type yeah. thing. It's kind of quite, yeah, uh, I don't know, finding the novelty of being filmed. Oh, that's it. It's fascinating when you watch old footage because, yeah, you're exactly right. Film was still so new, plus it would have been this huge camera just mm. sort of there. That, yeah, it made people stop and say, like, today someone has a, their phone up and they look like they're filming. You just, you, you, you shade your head, face, mm. you're like, oh, you put your head down and walk faster because you're like, I don't need to be filmed. I'm already filmed a thousand places on CTTV, all that sort of stuff. Back then it was still such a novelty. I mean, at one point you hear a soldier yell, hi, mum. Yeah, like, absolutely. And you sort of think, oh, that's, that's a cliche. But back then it was, no, it was, hi, mum, I might be on a newsreel. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I do love that they add sound effects to the footage, that they have got lip readers in there as well. I think that really helps bring that footage alive. It is done so well. However, I wish there was more of it. Yes. I would have liked that the the audio interviews uh, just be muted just for a few minutes, just so we yes. can actually take the time to listen to these men. And I appreciate you, you know, you can't hear everyone and they can't lip read everyone. So maybe they only do have like two seconds of actual yes. knowledge of what people are saying. But even if you just had those sound effects of what would have been going on around them, I think not only would have broken up this non-stop 90 plus minute discussion and retelling, but gives us the time to truly be immersed in the environment, yes, I feel, yes. instead of being, I suppose, told. Because we're not only seeing, we're being told. Yes. And I think, again, maybe not from a film point of view, but definitely from a historical point of view, I would very much be happy to watch an hour and a half of just footage. Mm. Just the footage recolorized and lip synced and sound affected. I would absolutely love just to see just that by itself. Because you can draw so much out of it That's in itself. It. For example, just even thinking about these audio interviews, I would have actually preferred to have those written down. Like, I think this would make such a wonderful book and oh, using yeah. still the still images to accompany those yes. audio interviews because you've got the words there in front of you. You can meditate on these words. You can stop yes. to, to reflect and to imagine. Uh, yeah, I feel like this documentary actually... It would serve better as a book, perhaps, or yeah. just something like as a coffee table book of stories with these huge colorized photographs as well. Throw a DVD in the back with the movie yeah. images. I feel, I don't know. I just, again, I'm just so conflicted with this film because it's just the source material is so incredible. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, yeah, but it's just, I think there were just other ways to make it more engaging. Yeah. Now, there is one question that I very specifically want to ask you, Wayne. Mm -hmm. 
And it's because there was some criticism thrown at the film right. by various historians, which basically boils down to the question, is this film being disrespectful to the original filmmakers? Wow. Because it essentially takes footage from other people and then reimagines it. Yeah. Not only put it in different sort of ways, but by literally manipulating it, putting color into it, uh, Mm. putting the sound effects, making it, you know, a still image, turning that into a pan. Mm -hmm. It's it's been criticized by some historians that it's actually very disrespectful to the original filmmakers. I can appreciate that feedback, and I would even maybe go as far as that it could perhaps even be disrespectful to the servicemen who are speaking, as well as disrespectful to the people featured in the footage, if we want to be Mm -hmm. super critical. Because as an audience member, you can't help but associate what you're hearing with what you're seeing. Mm. So, similar to what I was saying before, so we might see footage of, of a soldier who has been wounded or who's having a bit of a rest or who you know has his bayonet ready for just for the go-ahead. We're matching that with audio of someone telling their experiences being wounded or having a rest or yeah. bayonet ready. You're connecting the two together. Yeah. But the person who is speaking, his experiences and perspective are not the experiences and perspective of the soldier or soldiers we are seeing. Yeah. So we are smashing them together. Yeah. Again, homogenizing that. So I can appreciate from a historian's point of view, this film is extremely problematic. Mm. And I would, as so far as to say more so from the service people's experiences and those featured in this documentary, Mm. more so than the filmmakers themselves, because I feel like the filmmakers themselves were capturing a moment in time. Mm. So whilst it is adapted and manipulated, I feel like Peter Jackson and then the original filmmakers still had this original intention. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, or at least... You know, like, the, again, the context and perspectives are different. Maybe the people who are filming it at, at the first time were like, oh, I'm going to get some really good footage to show how we're <laughs> beating the war and how brave our men are, rah, rah, and Peter Jackson's probably coming in. I'm showing you how horrible and how brave these people are. Maybe two different perspectives, but the intention was still to represent the war. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I'd I don't know. I'd like to come back to that shortly, but just quickly, I want to raise the question then, though. Mm. I hadn't even thought of it in that way of being disrespectful to the soldiers. So my follow-up question to that is, do all documentaries essentially fall into that trap? All historical ones? Because I can't right now think of a a historical documentary that is not about someone super famous Mm. that doesn't just use random footage or random, as it were, footage to the person talking. Yeah, because what it serves is is that visual, because we are visual creatures, and we res- respond to, to, to visuals because they help us put things in context. Mm. So I feel like filmmakers will always use visuals bec- yeah. to, to emphasise, because film is a visual medium. Yeah. 
as much as in an audio medium. And again, I, I think my point about you know is the manipulation of, of the audio and of the of the footage disrespectful to the service men. Look, if I'm going to be honest, probably not, because at the end of the day, yeah, we're maybe. telling yeah we're telling their story, and whilst. I have said quite a few times now it could be problematic homogenizing the experience of these soldiers. One could argue, well, if you actually listen to a lot of these interviews, their stories are similar. So is it problematic from that point of view? Probably not. Are they or would they have been grateful that their story is actually being told in the brutal and also in the not so brutal ways? Like one of the things is that I do like that they talk about how scary it was or how, you know, central focus they were when they had to go over the trenches and go into no man's land. Like, I really like that. But I also like that they're like, yeah, most of the time we're just sitting around bored. Other times we were playing games, we were having a laugh. You know, it was fun. Or, oh, the food was horrible. Or sometimes it wasn't so bad. I love that it is this whole cross-section of experiences, but yet it still seems consistent from a historian's point of view, and I'm uh, nowhere near as much of a historian as you are, Philip, so I will cross back to you on this uh, because your, your opinion is going to be more valid and more informed, really. I almost just want to say that, look, they use primary sources in a manner to tell a story as accurately as they can tell. So I'm really less concerned about are the original filmmakers being disrespected, to be honest. I would tend to say no, <laughs> but if they were still alive, they might say, well, how I'm would alive, you like yeah. it? How would you like it, Sonny? <laughs> well, that sort of, again, leads into the next bit, which, again, you sort of hinted at earlier. Is this a pro-war, anti-war, neutral piece? The idea of a documentary should almost always be that it's as neutral as possible. Mm. But, end of the day, the mere existence of art means that there's going to be some form of bias. Absolutely. So, off the bat, I would feel that this is actually, again, fairly anti-war. And yet, you do hear a lot of the soldiers talk about how they enjoyed it or they... You know, they're they're proud of what they did or, Mm. you know, yeah, they were horrible. As you said, they're horrible bits, but majority of it it was just like, I think one of them says that, you know, oh, it's just like uh, being scouts, you know, being Mm. on a scout trip, you know, except, uh, what was it? Uh, It was just like being on a scout trip, just with more danger. (laughs) (laughs) With that in mind, this piece, which is very brutal, very, you know, confronting, very anti-war with an anti-war rhetoric is being told through people who probably if asked outright would be like yeah there's you know war's just a natural thing of life or they might be pro-war there's some of them who said you know there's nothing good about war or there's nothing uh, uh war's not a good thing but there are a lot there that i would wager would say well no there's we were fighting for king and country we were stopping the bosch we were mm-hmm. you know Said this in World War Two, and you probably have even more so a lot of people that would be, no, this needed to happen, you know? So, Mm. with that narrative uh, stance, what do you think? At first, I was a little concerned that this film was going to glamorise war, because you hear so much 
patriotic rhetoric. Everyone's really excited, but of course, these are kids. You know, there's adventure to be had. It's excitement. They think it's only going to last six months. But then they talk about the unpleasantries of war as well. And most significantly, how they were treated when they came back from war as well. Mm. Like it meant nothing. So overall, I would say that the film is anti-war. That even if the guys to this, you know, at the time of the recording of their interviews still had a bit of a romanticised reflection, if you will, about it, because it was just the thing you you do, the the film was still very much anti-war. I don't think that you can realistically make a pro-war movie and sell it these days, because we just know too much. Yeah. You know, one, one could argue, well, the end justifies the means. But the means is a lot of human beings. Really, the vast majority of them, innocent people dying because of the decisions of a small percentage of people. If, for example, you spoke to a soldier who was coming back from an Iraqi conflict, who was coming back mm. from Afghanistan... Um, and other regions of the world where there are troubles, the documentary would be very different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And with the advancement of technology and weaponry, it would be a lot more brutal. Oh, yeah. What we have here is still footage of people being injured and, and killed. It's unpleasant to watch. However, we have seen the extent of the brutalities of war, Mm. it's almost easy to take. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful at all, but war is just so brutal. And we now hear and see not only the immediate impact, but also the long-lasting effect as well. And of course, this is why Vietnam was so Mm. impactful and changed everyone's opinions of the war. So I think even having experienced it back in 1914, it's a different type of mindset. I think context is everything, Phil, when it comes yeah. to, to wars. And I think we, even if it might seem pro-war sometimes, because like, well, no, the reasons were good. They were valid. And, and one could argue, well, look at the state of the world now. It would have been a lot worse had it turned out differently. Like, you could argue that, right? Yeah. Um, but context is everything. It's hard. I quite often talk about, when talking about history, that there are only a small handful of what I call justifiable wars in Mm. history. And these are... That idea is that war... I'm I'm openly a pacifist, Mm. you know, a pacifist that loves war. Hmm. (laughs) Um, but, But I am a pacifist. I'm someone that believes... You know, the old doctrine of if diplomacy fails, try diplomacy. If that fails, try diplomacy. But I also realise that some wars are inevitable. That doesn't mean that they're right. It just means that they're going to happen. Yeah. But I'm also a big proponent in there are a handful of wars in history that are justifiable to an extent, to a degree. Mm. Yes, if you go back far enough, you can look at it and go, well, were they? could they be preventable or could they be um, something that we did differently to negate the war? And that's always the best way to l- try to look at it and try to deal with it. 
But end of the day, there is a point at which you go, nah, this had to happen. Hmm. And it's a good thing that it happened. And good, I mean, in a very loose, very specific term. Of the 20th century, early 20th century for me, that is the Second World War. Because there is a point at which diplomacy failed. You have the, you know, Peace in Our Times with Neville Chamberlain. He was very big on trying that diplomacy route. Germany, Hitler, just stopped that. Just was Mm. like, nah, I'm going to take full advantage of the fact that everyone doesn't want another great war. Mm. And so there was a point at which, in that sense, Churchill and the rest of the Allied uh, world put their foot down and said, no, no more. This cannot happen. And to me, that is a justifiable war. Mm. Because the stakes were high, mate. The stakes were high. There were reasons to which... And yes, so you can argue that a lot of those reasons weren't found out till afterwards or etc., etc. But end of the day, as hindsight, we can look at it and go, that was justifiable. That was something that had to happen and there was a good reason that the Allies were in that fight. Mm. The First World War is not one of these. And whilst it was inevitable and was always going to happen, there was no point to it. There no. was no reason. There was Diplomacy could have won out. Mm. Diplomacy could have and should have stepped in a lot sooner. The one good thing I find about that war was that it's, to me, the war that made us realise diplomacy should be our first option. Yeah. And I guess also, you know, one could argue how, how you've said as well about World War Two, really, that Hitler was able to do what he was able to do in terms of mini invasions and, and things like that was because, man, everyone was tired. Yeah. That's and it. no one wanted another great war. And that we associate World War Two with a high number of civilian casualties. Mm. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Philip, more so than army personnel. I believe so, yes. Yeah, I would imagine so. That's extraordinary. Like, that is such a powerful thing, because when you think about war, you think about people fighting. So the casualties are those people fighting. Yeah. Not so. Most certainly. So, Wayne, final thoughts and a score out of five. Well, I really appreciate what Peter Jackson has done with They Shall Not Grow Old. I love the primary sources used. I do like that it's all made up of primary sources. Manipulated, yes, but I actually feel like in a positive way. And I say that because it goes to reiterate the message of of this movie because at the end of the day yes a documentary is supposed to tell true stories and people's stories but you will always have a filmmaker's bias in there things will have to be edited in a certain way uh, and presented in a certain way i feel as though that whilst the sources are extraordinary and whilst they are used in a responsible manner as a film it just doesn't quite come together for me from an audience experience. It is immersive and it is engaging up to a point. And that point doesn't really get it over the line for me. As somebody who has taught history in the past to teenagers, I would absolutely show them segments of this film. But I know it would definitely not sustain 
their interest for the whole gestation. Even the most enthusiastic of students would tire of this. I think it's better in parts than it is as a whole for a number of reasons. But the fact that these men have had their voices heard, the fact that we get to experience the war in the way that we do, and actually still learn things, I think is a positive. But in terms of a film as a documentary, it's just not quite that successful for me. It has an important message to tell, and in some respects it tells it quite well. But for me, it's a two and a half star film. It's wow. sort of middle of the. It's in terms of in terms of war films, in terms of war documentaries, the ones that we've discussed in the past, and the ones that we've seen independently. Mm. This one doesn't really stand above them for me. Yeah, Philip. It's interesting because I've got similar notes. Yet I think for me, it didn't drop it down as much. So. As a film, you're right, it doesn't hold itself as a film. So it's not enough of a film to hold the attention, yet as a historical documentary for you know, hardcore history fans, it's too simple. The story is far too basics, World War One, the basics. So I do struggle with that because I'm like, I really, you know, really wanted to learn something new or find something big. And there's a few small nuggets, but really it does have that almost horrible history-esque, this is the basics of the war. This is on easy mode, as it were. And yet, the simple fact that it did colorize and brought to life and let me hear these stories that I hadn't heard before as simple as it may have been woven together. For me, it really was a delight to watch. Yes, I had to switch off parts of my brain that were craving certain things. And yes, I had to look at it as both a documentary and a film, and yet neither. But it was just utter wonderment for me just looking at this footage that... Up until seeing this film, was a black and white world. Mm. So for me, based on what it achieves technically, it still stands up in my own opinion. Yes, there's a lot that I'd like to see done differently, and I'd I'd, I'd almost love Peter Jackson to now take what he's learnt from this and do something bigger and better. Mm. You know what I mean? But with that in mind. I would give it a solid three and a half. Well, Philip, thank you so much for bringing They Shall Not Grow Old to us for this Anzac Day. Yes, we had a bit of issues with the film (laughs) there, but again, that was more from a filmmaking point of view, not its content, not its context at Mm. all. It is a significant film, again, for those wonderful primary sources, and I think that that's something that we need to reflect upon, particularly for today. So thank you once again, mate. Uh, and thank you. Thank you as well. I've been a film hunting. And I've been a Wayne Stellini. And, and you've, you've just, just experienced, experienced Fred Watch. Cue music.
insane. Blooper reel. G'day! Hello! Hello! Hey! hey. <laughs> Whoa! I'm a Philip Hunting. And I'm Wayne Stellini, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we... Oh, I totally... Oh, because I went into normal mode. Sorry, I didn't read that. Okay, let's go again. Okay. I was just like, where is it? Did we not do that for our specials? And welcome to... Okay, yeah, I suppose so. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> I've just copied this from... Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not blaming you for once. <laughs> Do we want to start recording again or just leave that? Look, we can always do with a uh, blooper. Oh, I suppose we don't really. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Let's keep, we'll keep going. <laughs> okay. G'day. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. <laughs> Whoa. I'm a Philip Hunting. And I'm a Wayne Stellini. And welcome to our Fred Watch Anzac Day special. For those who... I'll start that again. <clears throat> you join us for our Anzac Day special from separate studios. As Australia is currently in lockdown for the COVID-19 virus. Now, Anzac Day is a special day in Australian history. Nope. Today we are reviewing... Uh, oh boy. Blah, 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 blah. Now for those who... Today we're reviewing Peter Jackson's 2018... Today we're reviewing Peter Jackson's 2018 documentary, They Shall Grow Not Old. Philip, sorry. Yeah. Um, you said they shall grow not old, whereas it's they shall not grow old. It is. Which one? They shall mm. not grow old. Yep. Yeah. That is the actual title, isn't it? Because you've got the two different uh, I'll, things I'll here. double check. Have I? Grow. Yeah. Oh, they I shall... They yeah. shall not grow old. Yeah, not grow old. Yeah, double check that. I'll just be one sec, mate. Sorry, won't be long. They shall not grow old. Yeah, they shall not grow old. Stop reading it wrong. They shall not you know what, Phil? I can't wait to hear what you were saying to yourself when I was gone when I was about to <laughs> I hope you were on your best behaviour, young man. No, that blo- never. You, you know that blooper reel is ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why I'm being thrown. The actual poem mm. is, They shall grow not old as we are left grow old. Yeah. But the movie is, They shall not grow old. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess because it's That's, easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Ready? Yes, sir. 
Filmed on location on the Western Front, 1914 to 1918, They Shall Not Grow Old is a documentary by Peter Jackson, created using original footage from the First World War and audio from... Um, Filmed on location on... Filmed on location on the Western Front, 1914 to 1918, They Shall Not Grow Old is a documentary by Peter Jackson, created using original footage from the First World War and audio from interviews of... Oh, fuck. Uh, it's just such a long sentence I've created for myself. Ah, uh, here you go. Try this Can one, mate. Fix that? Yeah. yeah. Um, filmed on location on the Western Front... Uh, 1914 to 1918 They Shall Not Grow Old is a documentary by Peter Jackson okay oh Gypsy now you want to come in okay hi (laughs) (laughs) see she's going to make a noise now because I'm on hands free she can't hear you so she's not scared off um created using original footage of the first world war and audio um and audio from interviews that have fought in the conflict. Uh, um, oh, hello. Come here, sweetheart. Hello. See Uncle Phil. <laughs> okay, filmed on the. She'll um, jump on the keys. There you go, sweetie. Um, filmed on location. Yeah, I know. Filmed on location in the Western Front. (laughs) Um, Filmed on location on the Western Front. (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing because Gypsy just headbutted my microphone. Yeah. (laughs) Filmed on location on the... (laughs) Chips. Okay, uh, filmed on location... This is why we don't work from home. <laughs> Alrighty, I'm going. Oh, gosh, Jibs. Take me up. Take me off. Uh, put me on speaker, and I'll. Alright, I'll take you off the hands free. Just for a <laughs> Hello, Gypsy. <laughs> Hello. She's ignoring you. <laughs> You're ignoring me, cat. You evil cat. You. No, just beautiful and precious. Hello. All right, um, I'm gonna. That <laughs> didn't work, so I'll put you. I'll take yeah. that speaker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Phil. You can't see her, but she's actually just obsessed with the microphone now, um, and oh. she's rubbing against it, claiming it as her own. Oh, I can hear it. <laughs> oh, you can hear it. Oh, of course, yeah, because she's hovering uh, <laughs> right near me. Oh yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Also, could we unhighlight whatever she's just highlighted? Because I really don't want that all deleted. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting when Gypsy actually takes over the keys and starts typing. <laughs> Based on... <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Gypsy, we've got about five minutes of you purring in the microphone. I think it's time for me to have my turn, don't you? <laughs> Filmed on location on the Western Front, 1914 to 1918. They shall grow not... Oh, fuck, that's going to get me. (coughs) The film takes a huge step. The film takes a huge step to bring the old... 
The film takes a huge step to bring the old footage to life by colorizing and transforming. <sighs> the film takes. <laughs> Wayne, what did you think of They Shall Grow? <laughs> In a way, it became an anonymous and ag. <clears throat> So 120 mm. contribute contributions. To me, it's actually far too... It, it Because oh. I hadn't even thought of it from the idea of being disrespectful to the soldiers with that harmonious... That at first it was this really exciting thing and it's your patriarchal duty. Uh, <laughs> it's your patriotic duty. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought you patriarchal just kind of made sense. You know, the man goes out and <laughs> start that again. Sorry, say that again. I'm sorry. Yeah, at first I thought it was very pro-war and, and glamorizing war, but it goes through that trajectory of like, yes, we're gonna we're gonna fight the bad guys. It's our patriarch. I was gonna say it. I said it again. Wow, I'm not gonna say the word. Yes, at first you sense it's... So overall, I would say that the film is anti-war. That even if the guys to this, you know, at the time of the recording of their interviews... She's leaving. (laughs) I would give it a solid three and a half. I've forgotten where we go from here. Uh, yeah, I know. No, you're right. It's such an awkward transition, isn't it? Because it's like there's no... Well, next time we're reviewing yeah, Rara. Um, that's okay. You've given your score. I'll just think of something to to acknowledge um, the film. Um, and then we can just cut out, I suppose. Um, unless you want to say something before the sign-off? Um, no, no. Good. Okay, cool. Um... Sorry, this is my thinking face. <laughs> just uh, yeah, to do it to do it smoothly. You know, one thing that I actually wanted to mention, but I but I totally forgot, was um, how you know how you said it was basics. Um, it, it was interesting, for example, that whilst it was quite as you said, basic one hundred and one, there mm. were elements that it didn't delve into. For example, like it has a pl- it assumed knowledge. Um, that moment where the bo- where the guy recalls um, he's being asked why he isn't in the war and he says he's too young and a woman takes out a white feather. So not everyone knows the significance of a white feather during the war. Yeah, so it doesn't explain true. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- things like that. Um, yeah, which I found interesting. Um, mm. But anyway, that's irrelevant now because this is being on the editing floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can edit if you want, edit and find a place for that. <laughs> Blooper reel. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> okay, mate. I'm I'm ready.